Zero, Season 3, Episode 50. I'm your host today, Jenna Anderson. And joining me today on an excursion through all things Marvel is Aaron Perrine. Good to see you, actually, Jenna. Yes. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Um, Nick Valdez is also joining us today. Howdy, everybody. Thanks for having me. We're so happy to have you. And Liam Crowley is with us. Hello, everyone. Happy Percy Jackson World Premiere Day. I'm so excited. <laughs> Um, as, as Aaron mentioned, um, thank you to everyone who has listened to our what if bonus episode. Um, Jamie, BD and Aaron got to go watch some episodes early and react to it in person. Um, I, I got to sit at home on the other side of the country, but I know I was missed. Um, but it, that episode sounded like a lot of fun. So go check it out. And later this week, we will have a bonus episode where we will be ranking our, uh, favorite MCU Disney plus shows. So as you know, if you listen to one of our rankings episodes, expect a lot of chaos because it's going to be very chaotic. Um, but we're not going to hopefully get chaotic today. Uh, we're going to break down some Marvel news. We got MCU stuff. We've got animated stuff. We've got video games. A lot of stuff's going on. Um, but so just to start things off, of course, we're going to talk about Deadpool 3 because that feels like a likely thing to start most of the shows for the next like eight or ten months. Um, Sean Levy did an interview and he talked about how the strikes actually helped Deadpool 3 in a roundabout way. As we know, and as we've said on the show countless times, they were halfway through production before they had to shut down. And he said, we're happily back at work. And now that we know it's coming out next summer, we are working our asses off to make the best movie possible. And it's feeling good. It does feel like we're back at it freshly and more deeply informed about what this movie wants to be. And he said that it gave him and Ryan Reynolds a time to get to know and think about the story. So how are we feeling about this quote? I feel very confident and comfortable now that he has said this, but how are y'all feeling? Uh, I mean, it's a silver lining of the strikes, you know, and it, as we've seen before, and Lord forgive me, a silver lining of, you know, everything that happened a few years ago that, you know, the MCU was able to like kind of recalibrate and that's how we got WandaVision and how we got all the stuff we got out of that. So here it seems like it's happening again, where we're getting a retooling and a better version of what we were supposed to get, if that makes any sense. It's just a silver lining of of bad bad timing, I guess. <laughs> Aaron, Liam, do you Yeah, my biggest thing with... I was going to say my biggest thing with Deadpool 3 is I was very concerned when they had that, like, four or five weeks of production with no writers, and, like, the actor strike wasn't happening, so they were continuing production, but there weren't any writers and a movie like Deadpool 3 where there's a lot of improv and a lot of active screen rewrites and all that. The idea that they were going to move forward with this film without having writers on it was a little concerning to me considering how much we want this thing to really not just succeed, but like be as close to perfect as possible because of everything that it has going for it. Um, so the idea of like, at least the second strike being a blessing in disguise, uh, forcing Deadpool 3 to kind of like recalibrate over the past couple months, uh, I think it'll all work out. And at the end of the day, too, we still get to see this thing next year. Like the delay is what, two months? You know, we still get to experience this in the summer. Um, so, yeah, I, I have full faith in uh, Sean Levy's vision and Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds and every other person that ends up being in this movie. Aaron, yeah, how do you feel about I it? mean, like, at least the movie's still coming out. Like, that's the only thing. It would have been really, really weird if there had been no marvel movie at all next year so that's good i mean i wonder if this is like a new pair of shoes situation where you just need to kind of throw them in the washing machine and the, in the dryer to kind of break them on in uh with the, with like the weird sitting and getting to know the story of it all um 
I know this, it probably gave Sean more time to like reach out and ask people to be in this thing. That's probably positive. And it sounds like they're having a, a great, great success with getting more and more people to like say they're going to come hang out for two days to get brutally murdered and glorious, glorious IMAX and then not and then people will be mad about it. So <laughs> I'm hoping for the uh, I'm hoping for it to be as good as everybody seems to want this thing. I mean, <laughs> the, the level of the level of care for this project is very high for Riddles, for Jackman, for Levy, for the whole studio. So yeah, it, 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 all the cards, all the eggs are in there. Huh? It, it, no, it has to be. Right. That's yeah. the other thing is like there's so much pressure on this to succeed in so many ways that it's kind of like that they're probably glad they had that extra time. Like it's just there's so much pressure and you got and you need that extra time for the Taylor Swift cameo. So like I'm sure exactly. working out with her schedule and they, they figured it out, you know. <laughs> I will say reading the MC Reign of Marvel Studios book and just getting a frame of reference for like how quickly some of those productions came together and how sometimes that really benefited a movie and sometimes it really, really hurt a movie. So I'm always in favor of like a movie taking as long as it needs to to like become the thing that it needs to be. And it feels like this is a case where yeah, getting delayed incrementally is ultimately gonna help this movie in the long run so um that perfectly ties into our next news story which aaron has talking about the you know deluge of people who might get killed off screen or on screen oh yeah uh, well let, let's hope not but josh wilding talked to uh maria bakaran uh to confirm that she's actually in deadpool 3 which is like very exciting to have one of these actors look into a camera and say yes i actually <laughs> am in this thing she told the host uh it did work out i finished my shooting days on it already and i think the new film is like uh, the film is underway again after the strike and it's going to be quite good yeah i think fans are in for a fun surprise when asked about if she was going to actually be her character and they were going to put the blue on her she just kind of laughed and like there's a bunch of surprises for all of you so even more fun possibly i know jenna and bd just banging on the door like they can't keep getting away with this. They have to put people in their comic accurate costume. So that would be really fun to see copycat. Like that would be really, really dope. What that is the, think about her that's the bit that I'm the most excited about is the copycat, like the possible, the mere possibility of it also because Deadpool two to me, like I, I cannot really rewatch that movie because of how Vanessa is treated. Yes. They reverse it in the end. And I just have so many complicated feelings about that. So I would love after three movies and like close to a decade of being attached to this part for her to just be able to have fun with it and like actually be somewhat comic accurate. I would be so on board with that. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel like this is a movie where they want to make sure that every variant possible gets to like realize their full comic potential. I, I don't think that there's anything too campy or too otherworldly that they won't do. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that tongue in cheek of like there's going to be some surprises. I think we're going to see um, Morena Bacharin uh, in some uh, comic accurate attire. Nick, how do you feel Nick. about this news? No, totally agree. Because after, you know, after putting Hugh Jackman in the blue and yellow, it's kind of like, yeah, the floodgates are open. Let's get them all. Let's let's do it all. Why not? Yeah. Um, so kind of shifting gears, uh, Liam got to talk to Mark Ruffalo last week um, and he asked him about the prospect of a Hulk solo movie. Um, so I'll read the quote and then Liam, you can kind of talk about getting the quote and everything. Um, so he said, not that I know of, I've been asked not to comment on it that specifically. Hopefully one day they'll work it out. I think it could be really cool. And I've been putting a lot into what it could be um, to be cool, but I don't know yet. So Liam, how did you feel to get this quote? And how do you feel kind of about his non-answer? 
Yeah, it's so funny. I'll, I'll peel back the curtain a little bit. I I hate asking the comic booky questions to actors <laughs> when they're not promoting a comic book movie. It's so awkward. However, with this scenario, uh, the framing of the question was uh, NBC Universal and Disney recently worked out a deal uh, for like Hulu stake and everything. So they're having active discussions. And because the Hulk solo film rights still reside in NBC Universal. Like Marvel and Disney can use Hulk in ensemble pieces or a team up like a Thor Ragnarok, but the name Hulk can't be in the movie. So that's why it's not called Thor and Hulk Ragnarok or something like that. That's why we're not getting a World War Hulk movie anytime soon. So with all that being said, it's like a, actually a valid question to be like, has anything changed now since Universal and Disney are are talking uh, in a different capacity? And uh, yeah, you know, he's he's Mark Ruffalo. He's known for spoiling things. So I think he kind of saw the, the sniper behind my head or something. But no, he was very uh, open about it. He loves the character. And it, it's cool to see that he himself is workshopping ideas with Marvel. This isn't something where it's like, I show up when they call me. It's like, no, he cares about the character. He cares about Bruce Banner. And uh, I feel like his character specifically, even though he's so tenured in the MCU, there's no better way to like write that character off than giving that long overdue solo film. Kind of like what they did with Black Widow. Like I would love to see Bruce Banner, that iteration of Hulk, go off into the sunset with a final installment being a Hulk solo movie. Get that one thing we've never gotten with him before. Um, so yeah, he's he's a great actor, great talent, and it was palpable that he he cares, um, which is always cool to hear. I totally agree. I think that that would be the perfect like swan song for him, would be some sort of solo movie. I think that would be really cool. It is funny just how notorious that man is for leaking, spoiling, having his phone in his pocket and whatever. Like The fact that he they specifically asked him not to comment is very funny. Um, Aaron and Nick, how do you feel about it? I, I, I'm kind of like over Hulk, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm like, you know, after She-Hulk, I'm like, I kind of want more She-Hulk. I, I want more of that. So I, I think I'd only want a Hulk movie if it were like the Hulk ensemble and we got like the full like Agents of Smash. I think that's what the name of it was. Mm -hmm. or I think that was the name of the cartoon, but I want like a whole kind of that idea just give us a group rather than a solo Hulk movie because we've we've had so much Hulk and there are so many other cool Hulk things out there that I want to see more of instead. I will say, I feel like no MCU movie or any like superhero movie at this point is a true solo movie. It seems like every single solo movie that is put into development now becomes an ensemble piece and has a supporting cast. So I would hope if a Hulk movie does happen, they're going to like really take advantage of being able to have the Hulk name. And it's just going to be every single Hulk that they can cast. Like that would be the ideal situation. Yeah, why not? Like uh, just invent Hulks for it. Like who, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, how do you feel? Inventing Hulks. Um, <laughs> that worked out so well with Industry Hulk. Um, that's my dreams that I, I'm still traumatized. You're okay. You're okay. It's a safe space. Uh, I just, it's sad because I also really root for things just so I don't have to hear people yell about them on the internet anymore. So I really want the people to have their own solo Hulk movie so they can stop. <laughs> Even though, like, it's been, I don't know how many years Ruffalo's been in the role. It's been forever. Most of my life, probably. Um, <laughs> so, I really would like that. I know BD really wants it. I know a lot of the internet really wants Raged Out Hulk. Like, 
over the course of a movie. And it sounds like if you have to tell Mark Ruffalo, please do not talk about this, that things are happening behind the scenes. At least you hope. I, I just want to know what else is on the piece of paper they handed him. They're like, do not talk about these things. <laughs> do not talk about that. Because it sounds like there is a piece of paper somewhere, like an index card that he's going to lose and we're going to find out about <laughs> that says, do not talk about being in this. Um, they just put it yeah. like in his notes app on his phone. <laughs> no, they do it like kindergarten. They just pin it to his jacket <laughs> with a safety pin, like right here. So your teacher knows. So your teacher knows. Uh, I love it. That's so good. <laughs> well, speaking of actors who have been in the roles for a very, very long time, um, oh, Gwyneth Paltrow had a new quote this week that kind of the internet had a lot of feelings on. So Liam, take it away. Yeah, and this is one that I don't know why people react poorly to it because it doesn't really surprise me at this point. Uh, she said at the Red Sea Film Festival, to be honest, I stopped watching them, referring to Marvel movies, at some point. I've never seen Endgame. I can't keep track of who's what, but I probably should at some point. This is like, we've heard actors before <laughs> talk about how they haven't like watched their work or stuff, but also with Marvel, it's very easy for us to forget that like, this is a lot to keep track of. And even if you are in the universe, these people have families, these people have personal lives. I think Chris Hemsworth even said that he hadn't seen all of Loki and that surprised people. And he's like, you know, mate, I got kids to take care of out here. I got other productions to be on. Um, yeah. How do you guys feel, especially with Gwyneth Paltrow uh, Endgame being as of right now, her swan song, uh, her not even watching her final appearance in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Does, does she know she's in it? <laughs> like no, I know that sounds like a joke, but it's a serious question because uh, there was like a, a quote that went viral or like a clip uh, of mm -hmm. like a few years ago where she didn't know exactly what Iron Man she was or wasn't in. She wasn't. In, she didn't know she was in Spider Man because John yes. Favreau was like when we were in Spider Man together, and she was like we were we in Spider Man. Go. So yeah, that I think that's part of why this quote gained so much traction is because every single time Gwyneth is like befuddled about the MCU, people just find that very funny. I I I respect it. I understand it. As Liam said, there's so. So many other things going on in people's lives like that's probably not a, pr a priority for Gwyneth Paltrow I I would not blame her if she never watches the MCU ever again because it's only gotten more convoluted since she left but it is just a very <laughs> funny quote yeah, and she's got I, some goop, you know, she's got goop to sell. So yeah. you know, she, she's, she's busy. Yeah. And I was also going to say on that front too, like it's easy to forget that while this type of entertainment is like escape for so many people and it's people's entertainment, it's what they do outside of work for people like Gwyneth Paltrow, this is their work. So it's like, I can't imagine doing like eight months of a production and then being like, what do I want to do immediately after this? but watch 20 movies related to this production. It's not to say that they're not fun, but like, I don't know. We we talk comic book movies all the time on comicbook.com. I cover a lot of pro wrestling on comicbook.com and people are like, why don't you watch Impact or NWA or all these other promotions? I'm like, because it's work. I can't add more to my plate. So I feel like in that sense, when you look at it from an artistic perspective, of course she feels a little inundated it's it's her livelihood um and when it comes to her personal time you probably want to fill that with with family and friends uh and less you know the things that you're making the other you know five days of the work week oh absolutely Aaron, how do you feel about this I mean, it's going to be hard for me not to devolve into goop jokes, but I'm going to give it a try <laughs> because I mean does know where she is where is she right now? do you know where do she know where she is like Full disclosure, my dream is to do like a Z-Way interview with her and ask her <laughs> stuff about the movie she's been in. Because I bet you it, it would be this about a lot more than just the Marvel stuff. Like, 
we respect the queen who just is there to cut the check and and, and do what she's got to do and lock out and then go sell people like jade rollers i i understand completely yeah, nothing wrong with that absolutely nothing wrong with it but her work-life balance is out of control i god bless i may we all be so lucky um absolutely. but it is kind of funny because People do take it as like, oh, these actors don't care about anything anymore. I'm like, and I contend, Gwyneth has never been like, I have to go out and see this. She's like, they're they're on the spectrum of like MCU actor. There's like Iman Vellani over here, and then Gwyneth Paltrow way over here. And I think that's the <laughs> that's the continuum we're talking about here, and that's okay. There's going to be some people who are just over here, like I don't need to be doing all that. The Keat, Keats is over here too, somewhere <laughs> nearer to this that we'd all probably like, except for Jamie. Jamie's yeah. like. Absolutely. Go off. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, on that note, we are going to take a quick one minute break. And when we come back, we have a lot of Spider-Man news to break down. Uh, so as as per usual, I feel like we always have a Spider-Man segment on the show at this point. But so stay tuned for that. Welcome back to Phase Zero. Uh, it is now time for the Spider-Man segment of the show. We have a lot of little random Spider-Man bits of news. Beginning with, over the weekend, uh, Marvel settled their rights battle lawsuit with um, Steve Ditko, who was the co-creator of Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. If you remember, in a 2021 episode when this lawsuit first started becoming public, I went on a, on a really long tangent about it um, because there were a lot of people misunderstanding the situation and who thought that the comic creators in question were being very greedy. Um, that was not the case. Uh, so basically, Basically, Steve Ditko's estate held the rights to Amazing Fantasy and Strange Tales, which are the books that Spider-Man and Doctor Strange first appeared in. And so they were trying to argue that even though it was work for hire, he still owned the copyright. Um, over the weekend, Marvel reportedly reached an amicable settlement with the Ditko family. So now this whole thing is resolved. Um, so we love to see it. I always love to see comic creators getting their flowers and getting their due. And I think that this is a really good example of that. So how does everyone else feel about it? Yeah, get that money. Is that what, <laughs> that's what it means right like yes. get, getting that money okay cool get that money <laughs> cut that check i need that clip that was so good just yeah someone out there is watching this right now yes. um I, I i remember when the news of this like lawsuit came out and me and jim were talking about like you had to have like sit down with jim and russ burlingame who work on the news desk and have them explain it to me like i'm five um i'm very very happy that like we got a resolution where the yes that's lately get that back um where like the creator's estate gets to have like the compensation for the characters obviously and we still get what we really come here for which is the characters to be in all the movies and the stuff and it's fun um i mean there's a lot of talk about what marvel and other companies do about the writers and the people the creatives who create the stuff that we enjoy it's nice to see them actually getting their due for what they've made yeah, all, all I really have to add is uh, bread it up. There's there's your next. Yeah, um, yeah it, it, it's all it's always good when uh, when they get their due. And yeah, it's easy to forget. Um, you know, these characters are in the hands of so many different people. It's always important to remember where they originated from. Um, and yeah, that type of compensation is crucial because it's a respect thing. It, 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 I don't know. I can't speak for any of these people's financial situations, but a lot of the times it's less about 
actually needing the money and more about like, well, this is what I'm worth. This is what my talent is. Uh, and yeah, that, that respect is, is crucial. So, uh, happy to hear that, uh, everything's been settled. Absolutely. Um, so Aaron shifting gears, we have a little bit of spider verse news that broke this week. Yeah. Uh, we got, uh, what Kim DeSanto is talking about spider punk, uh, with games radar and that spider punk hope he almost didn't make the movie, which is wild to think. Um, he said, it's funny that as he had to earn his way into the film, he almost got cut out of the movie. There were versions of the spider society he wasn't involved in, but the scene suffered for him not being in it. It became really elevated when he joined, which makes a lot of sense. And also the script for across spider verse is out in full on the internet for you to read and when hobie disappears at the end of the movie it says he quote f's off into a portal which is delightful absolutely delightful incredible <laughs> i i could not imagine a version of this movie without him mm -hmm. he, he's such an integral part of the final product that imagining a version of this without him in the story and the help he gives miles specifically that's i'm i'm at loss because i'm like who who else could have done that and i guess this is why they also didn't cut him because he's such like a key figure. I don't know. It just kind of blows my mind that that was even an option at one point in development. As some, oh, go, oh, ahead. go ahead. I was going to say in previous comments from the directors, they've talked about, they really struggled because he was so cool. They were like, he can't be cooler than miles. Like this is a problem. <laughs> they had the same reaction. All of us who were like, man, you're even cool without your mask. Ah, this is annoying. Uh, go ahead, Jen. See, but I think him being cooler than miles is like such a great story beat. And I think it's so rare to get those kind of moments in superhero media, like in, especially in like an adaptation where it's like, Hey, this character's cooler than me. And I feel kind of threatened, but I still respect the, the hell out of them. I like, as someone who is a spider punk fan, who like I, I made that character in the Spider-Man game. I like I love that character deeply. The fact that he is now a household name is so wild to me. And that is entirely because of Spider-Verse. So I'm so glad we live in the world where he is like recognizable. I cannot imagine this movie working without him. It would not have worked. What, what I love about this, too, is uh, this is like one of my favorite questions to ask like directors or showrunners of like, how often does the performance influence the amount of screen time? Um, because we heard before, I remember, uh, I think it was Poe Dameron was originally scheduled to be killed off at the beginning of Force Awakens. Like when they crashed on Jakku, he was supposed to get killed off. But Oscar Isaac was so good in the role that they were like, let's keep this character going. And, you know. It didn't exactly work out for anyone in Rise of Skywalker, but still, I was glad that a character like Poe Dameron stuck around for that trilogy. And the same thing goes for Spider-Punk. Like, Daniel Kaluuya knocked it out of the park, clearly. Uh, what a scene stealer just throughout the movie, and he's someone that I know everyone's looking forward to seeing more of down the line. Um, so it's cool that, uh, you know, the creatives behind uh, the Spider-Verse franchise reward those who, like clearly are going to resonate with audiences and it worked if they considered that a gamble to put more hobie in this movie uh it clearly did pay off because i don't think he ever outshined Mar uh, miles and if he did it was only for a couple of scenes like it's very clear that spider-verse is still miles's franchise um and hobie is just a great auxiliary piece to it Layla is having a panic attack at the notion of potamer not being in the sequel that's chapter. a thing <laughs> look, look nice. it up yeah that's yeah. a thing Oh my gosh. I, I also love the thematic like re, like resonance of him being Hobie Brown, right? Yeah. Cuz in 616 Hobie is the prowler. So yeah. of course he's a he's a mentor to Miles. So of course he's like the other the other balanced shoulder on his shoulder like, man, you don't have to listen to him. 
you should learn about what you sign up for. The bananas <laughs> are the truth. Like, it's great. I really love it. And they also, they say they wrote it with Daniel Kaluuya in mind, like the, his voice and stuff delivering lines of mine, which I was like, you can't do all this background work and then not have my man just go through and just crush it. Like, come on. Like, so I, many we can layers. figure this out. So many we, layers. We have the technology. We <laughs> <laughs> have technology to do it. Yeah. Uh, so keeping the spider train rolling um we've talked a lot on the show lately about the spider-man shows for prime video and we got an update on one this week uh liam take it away yeah so uh according to deadline silk spider society will resume work in january for all three of you that were just holding your breath about it um guys i'm sorry who cares does anyone what is this? i I like I like silk. I I I have I've I've been in, I've been I have been of the mindset of this show might not actually happen, but if it did, I would thoroughly enjoy it because I I think that there is a weird value in it. I also think Sony dipping into Marvel television is a whole separate experiment and they could succeed or they could not succeed, but I at least want to see it. And so I, I'm glad that they at least are starting work. We talked on the show a couple of weeks ago about how they like Amazon was in danger of getting sued because a lot of the productions, including Silk, that they had in the works during the writer's strike, they weren't restarting back up now that the strike was over. So this is a effect of that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just want to see it. I just want to like the, the worst it could be is just okay and i i just at least want to see it i the bar is so low for sony mar uh, like spider-man stuff though like i this is live action right like this yes. is something that they want to like okay in that sense it could go one of two ways you could have a six hour version of morbius or venom let there be carnage which i do not want to have to sit through or uh, that sounds incredible sorry <laughs> oh my God. God. No. no 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 nick no, no. We were getting along thing. so well. <laughs> that's the other thing. Because it does have the potential to go south. But that's the great thing about these Sony movies is that they could go so south that it comes back around <laughs> all the way around. It does a full rotation to be great. So I, if it's six hours, those are six <laughs> hours worth of chances to go all the way south and come back around again to being a masterpiece. Let's go. <laughs> I, I, I love your I love your optimism. I need back to one. Um, I, I mean, my my whole reason for just not caring about this is like, did you guys see the Madam Web poster that came out yes. earlier this year? It, it looked exactly like it's supposed to. It looks like a poster from the 2000s. I expect she nothing more or web. less. She weaves the web that brings it together. <laughs> wow. Excuse you. Excuse you. Madam Web. Oh, oh. okay. I'm going to need to be back when we talk about Madam Web. And yes, cool. like, no, absolutely. She weaves the web that brings it all together. Come on. You need to be back for that and you need to be back for Craven because you are so obsessed with the rhino in Craven. That has I become a recurring joke they, in I our Slack channel. Why they call him the rhino? That's all it is. I want to know why. He says it in the trailer and I want to know. I'm like, you know what? You're so right, Rhino. I want to know why they call you that. Thank you. <laughs> you broke Aaron. Aaron is broken. Aaron, am I am I the solo hater on Phase Zero today? Or are, are you with me? Am I, am I fighting this alone? I, me and Jenna and Nick have been a, a solid force of this movie does not exist until or show yeah. until I see yeah. the stuff from it. So until I see a trailer, until I see interviews where people talk about this silk series i'm gonna be like okay they're doing that over there whenever it's ready i i hope it's okay i have other questions like will we see them doing research on spiders in the amazon like 
<laughs> that, that's a whole episode's worth of material right there. Thank yes. you. Man. Thank you. I want, <laughs> I want a National Geographic series about the boring rhino from across the Spider-Verse. That's what I want. <laughs> Something that I can't stand about the, what the Sony live-action Marvel Universe does is they treat Peter Parker or just Spider-Man in general like he's this, like, character that we never see like i remember it was so special on uh what was it smallville where we were like teasing superman in in like the suit and everything because superman wasn't a thing on the big screen at that point so like that was the closest we were gonna get to seeing superman every single one is like morbius being like oh there's a web of possibilities and then oh they're researching spiders in the amazon it's like this character is the most like overexposed (laughs) superhero in the world we've had three different live action franchises the best animated franchise of all time actively running dozens of cartoons like this idea of like oh my god are they going to incorporate peter parker i'm like this would be like the eighth peter parker that i care about if they even somehow make me care and that's like the little key jangling thing of like oh come on we 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 know that we're gonna get a hero in here somewhere it's it's nonsense guys it's nonsense they're trying to steal our money as a staunch defender of the Venom movies, I do think there is a way for Sony to do what you're saying, but not make it entirely hinder on Spider-Man. Like they're they they're doing the best with what they have. And a lot of what they have is treating Spider-Man, the concept as this like larger than life thing that exists on the periphery of these other stories. I think there's a way to have success with that. It's just we haven't always seen those successes. Like there have been some missteps there. But I think like there is value to these movies and to these properties more than just like oh do you want to possibly see spider-man in this like i i don't know it's just it's it's just a funny thing and it's just entertaining to see how this franchise kind of evolves so i'm on board purely for that what a chaotic episode of phase zero where jenna is not the person to mention smallville hot dog <laughs> wow. I, I i am showing restraint because i could talk for 10 hours um <laughs> moving on so talking about spider-man writ large and uh, as liam said spider-man is a very ubiquitous character um one of the most infamous infamous parts of spider Spider-Man lore um, is Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, the Broadway musical that uh, ran in the 2000s. And so the 2023 Blacklist came out this week, which is a list of the best unproduced screenplays in Hollywood that people in the industry are kind of glomming onto. And among these is a movie about Turn Off the Dark and the production of it. Um, so it's called Boy Frawls from Sky, and it's written by Hunter Toro, who worked on Digman and Bupkis. And it is described as an anxious playwright finds himself tangled in a web of deceit, injury, and intellectual property as he adapts his first Broadway musical, Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, inspired by a true story. I really want this movie to happen. I desperately need this movie to happen. The the jokes, the like cameos. I want to know who is going to play Bono in The Edge in this hypothetical <laughs> movie. I desperately need this to be real. How do you guys feel about it? Yeah, let's go. I'm also, as someone who wants Silk Spider Society to desperately exist, <laughs> I will happily take this. Thank you. Please, more. Give me all the Spider Man and Spider Man adjacent content you have. I will take it and weave my own web with it. Thank you. <laughs> I can't believe someone else mentioned Spider Man Turn Off the Dark this episode. This is full of surprises. Uh, I made so many jokes about this thing on, t- on this show that I cannot believe there was like a documentary or like even just like a movie about the making of I wish I really hope that this would come out but there's no way Sony or Marvel want people to re- remember so like Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark also is there, is there a defunct land episode about this cuz there should be no. 
no but there there's enough youtube documentaries if you really want to go down that rabbit hole like and i highly recommend doing so there's there's bound to be an eight-hour video essay about this somewhere right if not one of us has to make it (laughs) yeah my uh my lone connection to spider-man turn off the dark is this is like before anyone had like access to internet in their pocket we had like a family computer so i couldn't research these things and we would always watch american idol as a family every week and they performed uh uh what is it rise above or fall above whatever the main song is with bono and and the guy who played him on broadway and i was just so confused i was like i know who you two are but why is there a spider-man trapeze artist on american idol right now and I couldn't look it up until like five years later until I had a cell phone and I just had a random thought of like, I wonder what that American Idol Spider-Man thing was all about. And then I, I went down a rabbit hole or I, I, I spun a web, I, I should say, uh, of all the possibilities. And yeah, who knows? Uh, again, I'm, I like that they're workshopping ideas um, and I'm not going to comment on whether or not I want to see them. <laughs> All right. Well, so shifting gears to not Spider-Man related news, um, a thing that got announced last week at the Game Awards that is very, very exciting. Uh, Aaron, take it away. All right. Uh, you know, Richard, just roll that beautiful bean footage because <laughs> people really, really were excited about. I just couldn't imagine that this would ever happen. So there's a Blade video game coming out. The Game Awards, you know, an uneven event. But there was this. Uh, the studio that brought you Dishonored Deathloop, so you know we're going to be doing a lot of cruel, just wild action stuff. Uh, the tone is very, very interesting. Shout out to the five people out there who've seen Vampires vs. the Bronx. Uh, yeah. Very, very <laughs> excited to see about like this. This is so interesting, too, because we have not seen anything of that Wolverine game that's supposed to be in development right now. Uh, of course, Spider-Man 2 still doing a bunch of stuff, but not winning any Game Awards. Very interesting. Very, very strange. Uh, and, of course, the Guardians of the Galaxy game that was very, very good, but I feel like not enough people played either. Are you guys excited about this third-person, like, Blade game with, I'm assuming, the skill trees and everything? <laughs> I am so excited about this, especially when it is the studio that made Deathloop, because that game and that aesthetic I just am obsessed with. So I put having them do blade feels like a perfect marriage and i i think this has so much potential i can't wait to just kill vampires in all of these weird ways i'm so sad jamie's not here because i feel like this would help her become a gamer even though she has stated that she's not a gamer (laughs) on this show um but yeah i'm i'm hyped for this i think this is great and i think we are just in this like weird renaissance of like aaron said we have the wolverine game we have a captain america and black panther game we have an iron man game in development like it we're not going to get any updates on these anytime soon but it's so cool that they exist yeah i i wonder though if if this is going to be like a first person experience because uh arcane's other titles like like death loop like dishonored and uh, redfall you know the, the unfortunate one but uh it it's all first person and that could be like a fun blade experience you know just stabbing vampires in first person and if we get like the full m-rated experience we'll be great you know yeah i mean i grew up playing the batman arkham games and i remember as a marvel fan first i was like why aren't we tapping into the marvel catalog of characters and doing these like story-based campaign games because all we really had uh in the early 2000s was like ultimate alliance which was very kind of arcade style and then obviously spider-man came out and we're seeing everything with wolverine and i'm so stoked about it's cap and black panther but t'chaka black panther i believe because it's like world war ii era 
this is great. I, I love what they're doing on the video game front with Marvel. Uh, there's limitless possibilities. And I also love that we're tapping into characters that aren't, you know, overexposed. Like Blade is a character. Obviously, everyone remembers the Wesley Snipes movies and we're getting the stuff with Mahershala Ali. But beyond that, there hasn't been like TV shows and, and movies and other appearances. So this will be very fun. And, uh, you know, I've been waiting to sink my teeth into a campaign game for a while. Uh, and based on this trailer, this is something that I would definitely pick up. Langley in the comments says that it's a third person game. So, Nick, hopefully that oh, squashes cool. your worries. Um, well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like I, I just think that this looks like so much fun. And it's also the fact that they announced this specifically for Blade's 50th anniversary year is just a great little detail. Like I, I saw people say like they did more in this announcement than like Marvel Comics and like most of the other like heads of Marvel have done to celebrate Blade's anniversary. But I mean, we're not going to get this in a long, long time. And it sounds like it might even be like next next gen console by the time we get it. But I, I think it just sounds so cool. So I'm very on board. Um, but yeah, so we are going to take another quick one minute break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about animated shows, but not in the way that you might expect. So stay tuned. zero um so in honor of all of the animation news from this past week which if you want to hear more about that listen to our what if bonus episode um because we have a lot of marvel animation to look forward to next year we got what if we have uh x-men 97 we have uh spider-man freshman year which i'm still going to keep calling it that because my brain can't <laughs> compute the new title yet um i thought i would pose a question to the group of if you could have your dream Marvel animated thing, a series, a movie, whatever, what would it be and why? Um, I, I have some options, but if anyone else has any other options so I don't have to be the only one talking, then they can kick this off. So, uh, I want to jump in first, just just in case it's the idea everybody else had, and I want to be able just to claim it, stake my claim. <laughs> uh, so as someone who actually lived in 1997, uh, something you youngins might know nothing about, uh, you know, it, it wasn't just X-Men that we had. We had X-Men, we had Spider-Man, the animated series, we had Fantastic Four, we had Silver Surfer, we had an Incredible Hulk series. But the great thing about all of those is that they were a universe. They actually introduced me to the idea of a connected tissue and a connected universe to these stories. You know, you'd see Captain America and Wolverine show up in like an episode of Spider-Man and vice versa. And what was cool about all that is that, you know, it's, it's sort of what we got years later with the MCU and why we're enjoying it now. So I'm hoping that X-Men 97 turns out to be such a success that they kind of continue with the, the 97 90s line. Like we'll get like a, a Spider-Man 97 or an, uh, a Captain America 97. Just the idea of bringing back all these animated shows that I used to love so we could have a full-on animated universe once more. And that's that's what I would mind, like I would like to see. And then expand it with all the characters we have now. And you can do kind of what you do in What If?, but just kind of 2Dify it and tell those kinds of wild stories again. I love that. That's a really good idea. I, I had not even thought about the shared universe of it all. So don't worry, like you staked your claim on something that I definitely <laughs> didn't have. Um, but I, I think that would be a great idea. Like, Lord knows everyone loves nostalgia these days. So I think that would be a really cool kind of way to keep that ball rolling. Um, Aaron, Liam, how do y'all feel? Damn, you go. <laughs> Okay, well, I, I do have one idea. Um, cool. I always love the idea of animation doing something that 
would be too expensive for live action and, and maybe a story that live action wouldn't tell because it wouldn't advance the greater Marvel Cinematic Universe. And so what I'm getting at here is something I've always been fascinated by is the 20th century as a whole within the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but specifically the entire just like height of Winter Soldier's powers. Like I want to see a limited series where like from like you know, when Bucky goes into the ice up until the 1990s of all the assassinations he carried out, the, the stuff he got up into. Like, I love when these superhero movies and projects play with real world events. Something I love about uh, the kind of new X-Men trilogy was like First Class deals with the Cuban Missile Crisis and Days of Future Past deals with, I believe, the Vietnam War and stuff like that. So the idea of like Bucky killing JFK, like I want to know what that looks like in the Marvel Cinematic Universe lens, you know what I mean? So, and I feel like that's something they wouldn't do in live action because it would be an expensive miniseries and it doesn't really further anything because we kind of already have done Bucky's completed arc of redemption. However, I think it would be a very cool side story to tell. Um, and in an animated capacity, I think it could be really, really cool. So a Winter Soldier miniseries that hops across the decades of the 20th century. I like that. I think that would be really cool. Yeah, um, that sounds cool. Yeah. Aaron, do you have any ideas? Uh, maybe a couple. I know uh, TJ in the chat would be down with your idea, Nick, for there to be a 97, because he all he wants is for anim Spider-Man animated series for Peter to go find Mary Jane. Like, that, we've been <laughs> that, waiting on that since we were kids. Like, oh my we're God. never going to know. Oh, my God. Yeah, that cliffhanger that never resolved, <laughs> and then instead we got Spider-Man Unlimited, which shout was like, oh, Unlimited. hey. Yeah, I mean, shout out to that, which also had another huge cliffhanger. cliffhanger come, right. come on. <laughs> like, we were, we, were, uh, we were just damaged back then. Fox Kids did not care about us. <laughs> <laughs> so besides that, I think that we all could agree that would be really good. Uh, some more off the wall things is that in the sort of like you have to build out these other things. There's supposedly going to be an episode that's supposed to be Marvel 1901 mm -hmm. and what if, and that would be just just bonkers extended out to an entire thing of just like here's Marvel 1901 with like other stories set in that universe because there's just you guys have read it it's very very kooky um the other thing that jumps to mind actually is an x-men sort of thing which is like strange because it's not usually my wheelhouse but i think a really funny weird like ecstatic series that looks like justice league the new frontier would be really really Ooh, wild it'd be like very that. strange i'm i'm a sucker for like the darwin cook chris yes. samney oh look it's the comics my grandparents used to read <laughs> aesthetic um so that would be really cool I, I don't know. Like those are those are the sort of things where they would never spend the money on the Suicide Squad, but with X Men. But they <laughs> might in animation. So do that. Yeah. I that's, love that. Uh, that's that's a question I would have for like any other animated projects, right? Because X Men '97, uh, Spider Man Freshman Year, <laughs> and and friendly uh, neighborhood Spider Man now, yeah, sir. Yeah, no, no, freshman year, <laughs> freshman year. I would call it by its given name. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, no, no. But uh, it, whatever it wants to be called, that's fine. Uh, so uh, the, those all have very different designs and styles and uh, are taken on by different studios. You know, like um, like freshman. I'm sorry, I keep going to freshman year. Friendly Neighborhood is 
Polygon Pictures, which was the they did the Netflix Godzilla trilogy. They've done um, I, I forget it was like some other anime thing. They've done like Ghost in the Shell stuff like that. And then you have X Men '97, which is more akin to the the 2D X Men from our youth. So. I kind of hope if we get more animated stuff, it's all varied. Like I would like to see different styles. Like, like you said, like a new frontier kind of look for Marvel would be great. And then we could have the fully CG. What if, and then we can have more 2d Then we can have more of the 2.5 D as seen in friendly neighborhood, most likely. And then we could have one that looks like the MTV series, uh, that Spider-Man MTV series that ran for like 10 episodes, you know? <laughs> so like just that, that would be my big desire though, moving forward with that. I absolutely agree with that. That kind of dovetails into my suggestions. Before I get to that, though, Aaron, you, you meant 1602, right? Yeah, I'm a 1602. Yeah, in the uh, chat, everyone's like, hard. is 1901 a thing? Because I, <laughs> I almost was gaslighting myself. I was like, I think it's 1602, but I'm very bad with years. Oh, so you should just like... call me because I see a number and I'm like, uh, six, nine, they're the same. <laughs> when you really think about it, shout out to Terrence Howard. They're really the same. <laughs> <laughs> um well so my my answers to this question i have two um i i would say because i'm always going to bang this drum i i would if if we're not going to get millie the model in live action uh oh, i would love a like archie style millie the model show like with Ooh. modern like outfits and modern sensibility but in that kind of animation style like nick said i think that would be a way to get like another animation studio involved and it would be something that is incredibly distinct but could still exist in the mcu plus any cameo on that show i would want to see what like tony stark or somebody like that looks like in like an archy kind of art style i think that would be adorable and then my second answer i like literally just thought of this last night and i thought that this would be really cool i want a star jammers show but as an anime i want like a <laughs> one piece style star yeah. jammers show where you can get them to look as weird as humanly possible and you don't have to worry about the practical effects you or the cgi they can just exist and just go on adventures like one piece and it just could run for as long as humanly possible i think that that would be a really really fun marvel cosmic thing Man, hmm. I would love Marvel anime just as the, the person who, who writes about anime for comicbook.com, but mostly because it would allow us to cross paths a little bit more. <laughs> but also, you know, it would further dis distinguish itself from the Marvel animes we got back then with like the Wolverine one. I think there was an Iron Man one. Oh, wait, no, it was Wolverine, X-Men and Iron Man. There were two yeah. different Wolverine stories. It was weird. But uh, yeah, like I, I would love to get anime that's more designed for current tastes uh, so to speak that i uh, i yeah oh man and, i don't know i'm just kind of my mind's going nuts over like a potential marvel anime thing part of it is is because of my adventures with superman like that proved oh. to me that you can do like a western superhero show in an animated context but it can still have like really big anime influences so i yeah. i think that it's like it they're leaving money on the table by not doing some sort of anime inspired thing i, I, think I appreciate i appreciate jenna banging the katie keen uh drum years after most of us have left the island great job great good job millie the model <laughs> i i just i love millie the model so much even though nobody else does so. no um, there are people in the chat seem to like really like it I, oh and what one other thing that we all talk about constantly that they're probably not gonna do an animation i mean in real life but they'll do an animation like the darcy and jimmy thing please yeah. please just do that <laughs> don't forget about them that'll, that'll be really cool I feel like you just spiritually like said Jamie's answer, even though Jamie's right. not on the show today. <laughs> she has rejected it. I love it. Um, well, I think this was a really great show. Uh, we, we had a lot of news and stuff to talk about, but thank you guys so much for joining us today. Uh, Nick, you're at the top of the board. Do you have anything to plug? 
Oh, yes. Uh, you can find me at Vault Visology on the medias, as well as the work I hear at comicbook.com. And if you wanted to hear me talk about uh, Drag Race, Big Brother, and more stuff, you can also find me with Pop Culture's Social Call. Very nice. Liam, I know you have a very big thing to plug, so take it away. Yeah, so like right before we went on the air, we made it official. Uh, under the Comic Book Nation banner, we're doing a show called Riptide Radio, which will be a Percy Jackson after show every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern. So that week's episode of Percy Jackson, we'll recap it, we'll review it. We'll have a rotating uh, panel of guests, guest hosts on. First week will be Nicole Drum, who is writing the review for Percy Jackson on comicbook.com. So we're going to have a great discussion. Uh, and we're also going to have plenty of exclusive interviews with the cast and crew. This first week, we have showrunners Dan Schatz and Jonathan Stein and director James Bobbin, uh, who I sat down with them in New York City. We had a full, in-depth, 25-minute discussion on all things episode one and two. Full spoiler chat, so after you watch the episode when it premieres next week, hop on to this after show, uh, and we'll discuss it all out. And uh, yeah, all the updates will be on my socials, on Comic Book Nation socials, stuff like that. So if you enjoy he hearing me talk on a microphone, and if you enjoy Percy Jackson, uh, Riptide Radio will be the show for you, and I'm, I'm really hoping uh, everyone tunes in. We love to see it. Aaron, what do you have to plug? Uh, it's at Simile Corner on Twitter. Um, I would like to take a second to acknowledge uh, the death of our friend, young Andre at 61. And they're asking, Andre Rauer from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, uh, if you're going to donate, they're doing uh, donations to Classical Theater of Harlem, where he served on the board. So I think it's a worthwhile cause. A man who made lots of us smile. And it's kind of sad that he's gone. Thank you for plugging that because, yeah, I, I had to write up the obituary last night and I was just so sad because mm -hmm. that, that man was incredible. Um, I'm at Hey, it's Jenna Lynn on social media. As always, go read some comics and don't forget to follow Phase Zero on every social media platform possible. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We will be back on Friday with our Disney Plus ranking show episode. I saw some people in the comments be like, but you did that already. It's like, yeah, but Secret Invasion wasn't included and Loki season two wasn't included. And we we, we are, you know, our tastes might have changed since then. So you have to listen to find out um but as always play your show for your mom play the show for your dog and we will see you guys on friday take care